From Relay FM, this is Upgrade, episode 385. Today's show is brought to you by Uni Pizza Ovens, DoorDash, and Setup. My name is Mike Hurley, and I'm joined by Jason Snow. Hi, Jason Snow. Hi, Mike Hurley. Welcome back to Thank Upgrade, you. a podcast you, so you host with me every week. I do. Yep. When you're not gone. There are thereabouts. I have a hashtag snow talk question for you that comes from Ryan. Ryan wants to know, do you have family members that listen to your podcasts? <laughs> Ryan, no. Nobody no? in my family listens. Actually, that's not true. I have my... I mean, he's my brother-in-law, but just to elaborate, my my sister-in-law, my wife's sister's husband, listens to Total Party Kill. Wife's I'm not sister. sure he listens to The Incomparable, but he listens to Total Party Kill because he will comment about that, and it's very nice. He'll say nice things about it, and I, I'm sure he's listening to a million D&D podcasts, but he says nice things about it. Um, that's it. That's it. My My family is not interested nor understands anything that I do. Um, although I will say, as a sidelight, my um, my in-laws, my, Lauren's par- uh, Lauren's parents, um, read the Six Colors newsletter every week. So every time I write something on Six Colors, I'm sort of thinking about how my mother-in-law is going to read this. So that's yeah, it's in there. So you got okay, you got that part. I I had that thing where I had to try and work out wife's sister's brother. You know, like it's a brother-in-law, but it's no like wife. The- Wife's Wait, sister's husband. That's what I meant. Wife's sister's husband. Yeah, he's a mm. brother-in-law, but it, it's two two marriages linked there. Yeah, so, yeah. interesting. Um, only my wife, Adina, listens to my shows, I think. I think my younger brother sometimes listens to this show and Remaster, like, on occasion. Like, he'll go for long stretches of time not mentioning that he ever does, and then he'll say something, oh, I heard you say that on such and such place. So it's it's uh, ah, difficult for me to know. But I know Adina listens, but that's it for me that's very nice of her i think so she listens to this show which i appreciate that's that's great yeah hi adina thank you for listening (laughs) if you'd like to send in a snow talk question of your own you can send it in uh, over twitter with the hashtag snow talk or in the relay fm members discord a question mark snow talk Uh, i want to i have a couple of things of note and then we've got a lot of follow-up to get to today uh first up the upgradies nominations are open still Go to upgradies.vote. The nominations are going to be closing uh, on the 21st of December. So if you want to get your voice heard, you can go uh, to the upgrades. You need to vote in every category if that's uh, intimidating to you when you go to the voting list. You can just uh, nominate for the things that you want and uh, get them in, and you may help us uh, with the upgrades for this year. Yeah, it's not just about um, having your voice heard and voting. It's also helping us. So we appreciate the help and reminding us who we have forgotten most of what happened this year. So please remind us. I uh, skimmed through some of the nominations so far and it already helped me make some adjustments to my own potential pick list. <laughs> so mm. thank you yes. to that. Mm-hmm. It's very helpful. I've looked in there too mm-hmm. <laughs> while you were gone. I, I looked in there. I was assembling some lists. and I was like, let's see what the listeners suggested. <laughs> ah, see, I thought, okay, so you did a, a what was it, like a Mac app? Pick was it a six colors member Fa- thing? Six colors, fa- no, it's a for everyone. It's our okay. favorite Mac apps of the year, and we're gonna do we're gonna do some more lists of that. And before I finished my list, I went and looked at the upgrade list and made sure that I had not forgotten some things. That because it did make me wonder because I know you, it's one that we have struggled with in the past. So I wondered if maybe you'd you'd peaked. 
you peeked in. I had it. It didn't. It didn't really prompt too much in that category. It did there right. were a couple other categories that were really helpful um, in reminding me about some iOS apps and things. Like was that this year? Wow, I guess it was. I'll put it in. It was easier to come up with those lists anyway this yeah. year. There was a lot more happening this year. It was actually kind of nice. But um, but yes, please vote in the upgradees and help us remember things from 2021. Uh, next week, uh, unbelievably, we're going to be uh, doing the upgrade holiday special, um, which I can't believe it's we're hurtling towards the end of the year. I know. Right. Get your ugly sweater ready. <laughs> I know. So we want to do uh, some holiday ask upgrade next time. That's going to be mm. our holiday special theme uh, because I was away and we didn't really have much time to plan anything else. So we'll do a regular episode, but we'll do a double ask upgrade segment. And so we would like your yeah. holiday questions for that. So question mark, ask upgrade in the Discord, hashtag ask upgrade on Twitter. Please send us in your holiday questions. Uh, for our next Ask Upgrade segment. We would appreciate it. Do you want to tell the listeners what you did? Uh, uh, yeah. Okay. You make it sound a little bit like I committed a crime. I did not commit a crime. I did a no, nice thing. Oh, but you did do something. It, well, it, yeah, and it's it, not it completely is, it, nice. <laughs> yeah, and, it's half nice, half good. And I would say also inspired by uh, Connected, so somewhat theft there. Um, yeah. So, uh, people who don't listen to Connected, what's wrong with you? But you may not know that that show, which is full of uh, of japery and hilarity, has a a contest that that I mean, all, it all comes around again because right, we started doing the upgrade draft, and then came the Rickies, a competition based on Apple events that's yeah. different from the draft in in that it has a complicated rule set and point structure, and there's a lot of adjudication and and there's a lot of things going on. But really, but, it's just a peacocking contest ultimately it is there's a lot that's that's well federico he is really interesting and competitive Uh about that show it's hilarious anyway but out of the rickies came the the trophy the tricky trophy which is this amazing thing that listener matt made out of wood Mm -hmm. that is and it's got like little plastic sheets and it, it, it replicates the connected logo, but it's got like little marks for where the current annual and keynote champions reside among mm-hmm. the three of you. It's beautiful. And I got to be honest, I was jealous. I was like, why, why does the upgrade draft not have a similar trophy for, for whoever is the champion? And I was trying to think about how we could do this um, because there would need to be two, one for you and one for me, and they would need two different states Mm -hmm. where you won the draft or you lost the draft. And I looked up at my walls where I have, um, so when I was a kid, I had two felt pennants which are these little sort of triangular things that you're supposed to put on like a stick and back in like, I don't know, the 70s or whatever and wave at the, at the sporting event to, with the color of your team. But I, I had two of them and I had them on my walls of my house and uh, of my room in my house uh, as a kid. And one of them is lost to history. The other one is actually on my wall in my office. It's, a, it's the San Francisco Giants uh, Candlestick Park pennant that I had uh, when I was like nine and I still have it. And then I've got another one that's the same size and shape above it that is for the three World Series that the Giants won. It's great. It's fun. And I looked at it and I thought, hey, 
what about a championship pennant for upgrade? Mm-hmm. Um, but again, how do we handle the fact that one of us is the champion and the other one is not at any given time? And then it hit me. <laughs> what if I got a reversible felt pennant? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's what I did. I actually went, I designed it in Affinity Designer and I found a, a person who makes pen, custom pennants on Etsy. And I asked her if she could do a two-sided custom pennant. Uh, with it's in upgrade gray, and then on it there is the upgrade logo on the front, and around the upgrade logo it says upgrade draft, and then in large letters it says champion. And I thought, okay, that's great. What about on the other side though? What's the what's the side that you know? Do I want to have it be like loser? And I consulted with Stephen Hackett about this. Uh, <laughs> we went through several different iterations. Loser sucks because you would have to have just. The word loser, or loser on, the wall. on your wall until the next draft. I, I, and I again, we upgrade draft is a gentlemanly competition, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, what we settled on, I and I did consult with Stephen on this, is the upgrade logo is upside down on the loser side, yeah. <laughs> so it's pointing down to indicate sadness. Uh-huh. Um, but it says challenger, so that's the optimism. It's right. You are now the challenger. There's a, someone's a champion, someone's uh-huh. the challenger every time, and you are the challenger. So uh, that's what I did, and I got those, and I I had one brought to you in California on your way back to London. Yep. And now we are both in possession with identical felt pennants of the upgrade draft champion and challenger for us to place somewhere in our workspaces in a position of honor, and and then of course honor being gentlemanly like by flipping it over if our status changes so that's uh that there you've got yours i've got mine and we now have the official upgrade draft trophy which is the championship pennant i think this is very fun and i love that you did this and i enjoy it very much i think you did a good job with this um, Thank you. I, I think it's a fun thing, and I genuinely appreciate that it says challenger and not loser, <laughs> because yeah. I might be looking at the word challenger a lot. Prefer that to loser. Yeah, right. I feel like it's a uh, well, yes, of course, I, and I feel like that that is in the spirit of uh, of the you know you you want it to be positive. Yeah, you want it to be like, come on, you can Any you day can do now. better. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking. It was back in late October that I that I worked on this with. Uh, with Steven. Uh, the other option that I gave him actually was, was it says champion on one side and on the other side, it says champion, but above it, it says former. <laughs> That's also pretty good. That's also pretty good. And he good. said, I think challenger is better. I, I, I like challenger. the positivity. Like, like it's, mm-hmm. the, it's the, I'll get you next time kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So anyway, gotcha. that is now on the line for future, uh, future upgrade drafts. I'm going to hang mine behind me because I have these sound panels that go behind me uh, on, on where I record from uh, the studio. And I'm, they're like, they have a kind of felty texture oh, to nice. them. So yeah. I think just a couple of pins will, will hold that up really yeah. nicely. It's got the little streamers on the back. So you can put like a little pin in one of the yeah. streamers and then you can use a pin to like prop up the other corner and it works uh, great. It, it can't be permanently fixed unless right. i don't know one of us is particularly braggadocious no, it, you, you've or got like... to be able to flip it yeah exactly <laughs> you flip it right over and uh it goes from up to down and uh and then the the great the great battle continues it's very fun 
So today, I think we have a pretty follow-up heavy episode for a couple of reasons. I have a bunch of things that I wanted to attribute <laughs> to last week's episode. Uh, and also, there's just been, weirdly, a lot of new news about the same things that you and Dan were talking about on last week's episode. So that's funny funny for me when looking through what I wanted to talk about today. Uh, I would like to thank Dan Warren for uh, stepping in. Um, on last week's episode. It was a very yes. fun show. I love listening to yeah. it over the last couple of days. It, it was, uh, he hasn't done that before. I've had him on as a guest with Scott yeah. Malti that I'm way long, long, long ago. But since then, I haven't done it. And it was uh, it was funny having somebody who I do a podcast with every week. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just easy to do in a way that it's... I, I definitely make it harder for myself and stress myself out more when I've got like a, a very special guest who hasn't been on before or who, who isn't a usual person I talk to, whether yeah. that was having Julia on or or having Merlin and uh, and John Syracuse on at various points. Like, I, I get worked up of like, oh, I got to do this right because this is very special and all that. And not like talking to Dan isn't special, but it, it's like... It's, it's, <laughs> Suck it's, it, it's, 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 it's like we do it. It's just we do it. We're doing our thing and it just you fall into those rhythms and it was so what i'm saying is it was really nice to have him on because yeah. i i didn't feel any of that stress and we just had a nice conversation it was great no it was really fun uh so i would like to just state that uh i do delete questions from our google sheets okay so we have the snell talk and ask up great questions so one i delete them when they're used so mm-hmm. i did go back into the sheets and deleted all the questions you used okay thank you um and I remove, I just straight up remove questions that we have no good answers for. So every week I review the new stuff that's come in and remove the stuff that we use, remove the stuff that I don't think we can use. And I leave things in there. There there are questions that I have gone back to like six months, a year after they've been asked. One day I'll need them. Uh, And sometimes I get questions that came in too late, but they could be used in a year from now. So, you know, they're all in there. I have a plan. Uh, so for people wondering, oh, are all the questions left the bad questions? No, the bad questions are deleted. It do- It did look like you had a, uh, a limit. It-, it looked like there were not questions before a certain date. Uh, see, this was a thing that happened. So the Snell Talk questions, they're all in there. The Ask Upgrade questions, at one point... I decided that I was going to use this system because previously I wasn't deleting anything. And then at a certain point, I was like, all right, I need to start deleting these because it's taking too long to load. And so I just went to a certain point. I deleted all of the questions and I just kept everything and started right. filtering from like there. The, the beginning of 2020, it looks like, yeah. for Ask Upgrade. Snell Talk, indeed, the the oldest question was from um, Graham in April of 2017 that I answered last week. And I, mm-hmm. I'm going to do you a favor. I'm going to delete that one right now. Because that was a fine question. There was nothing wrong with Graham's question. I just it, hadn't it, gone to it. Asking me for my favorite law of physics, that's that's never going to get old. That's an evergreen question. Yeah, yeah, now it's it done. That's so now it's okay, old. all right. And I also have some comments on the Ask Upgrade questions that were asked in the last week's episode. So, you- I just want to say, I literally never look in the Ask Upgrade or Snell Talk spreadsheets because mm-hmm. I want to be surprised. Mm-hmm. And so I legitimately didn't know the answer when it was asked about how long, how old they yeah. were. And you're, that, that episode yesterday or last week was very much me Finding discovering this out. with the listener <laughs> <Yeah>. what was <laughs> in those spreadsheets. So you were talking about trackpads. Yes. And I'm a trackpad person. But I did just want to, for people that are not trackpad people, because you were talking about um, mice's, mouse. Oh, recommended a mouse, yeah. Yeah, I wanted to recommend what I think is the best mouse available which uh, for most use, most people, which is the Logitech MX Master 3. 
this is the mouse that I use, and I love this mm. mouse. But what I wanted to just suggest when I make this recommendation is that people do not buy the version that is called Logitech MX Master for Mac. Don't buy that one because it's just Bluetooth. You want to buy the regular one, the MX Master 3, because then you get the choice of either Bluetooth or the receiver that Logitech make. And I recommend using the receiver. The, the receiver is more reliable than Bluetooth, I find. Um, right. Especially like with, I mean, with the original M1 Max, it was a nightmare uh, with Bluetooth. But if you're using the unifying receiver, it wasn't a problem. But I think the little unifying receiver is better, but it also has Bluetooth in it. Uh, but the one they sell for the Mac doesn't. And I don't know why, because Logitech make the software for yeah. the Mac for the unifying receiver. So I don't know why the Mac one uh, has no receiver, but that's just the way that they do it. But uh, that's why I wanted to recommend the Logitech MX Master 3 because I think it's my favorite mouse. It's a very good mouse. Uh, I have two printers. They are both Epson well, printers. <laughs> is one at the house and one at the office? Yes, and the, but the one at the studio, this is the only reason I wanted to mention it. The one at the studio is an A3 printer and it's massive. It is the WF7840 by Epson. So uh, a, if I remember my gray videos correctly, A3 is twice the size of A4, which is sort correct. of our your version of our letter paper. Wait. Yeah, A4 is letter paper, yes. And WF8470 is for A3, which is... Uh, is it, no, 7840. I'm horrifically jet-lagged at the moment, so like okay. I'm reading things incorrectly, which is kind of hilarious. I just read four numbers in the exact wrong order. Oh, okay. So a, an A3 printer, though, that's a, that's what we, we would call probably tabloid size. This is actually the size of my college newspaper. It's uh, in the U.S. tabloid it's, size is, I yeah. think, 11 by 17. Yours is, is basically 11 three quarters. For those who are not uh, in UK paper sizes, 11 three quarters inches by they, 16 The paper and a half sizes inches. are not boy. UK paper sizes. They are international. Okay, whatever. Just so you know, you know, I okay. just want to make this isn't a, this right. isn't a me problem. Two hundred ninety-seven millimeters by four hundred twenty. <laughs> I really like the way you say that. Meters, millimeters for those using the foreign concept of the UK concept of a millimeter. Millimeter sounds like a character in a kids' TV show. Oh yeah, about the metric system. Yes. Hey everybody, it's millimeter. <laughs> Millie, you've grown several inches. Actually, I've grown centimeters. That's good. That's, that's, that, really that's how good. that goes. Mm -hmm. Okay. So yeah, I have two printers. One's a really big one. Um, and I have tap to click on. We spoke about this before. I use both. I'm primarily right. an actual click person, if you'd call it that. Good. I don't know what the phrase good. would be. But I like to have uh, tap to click as a fallback. But right. I did think Dan was really weird about like... I tap to click for certain tasks because I don't feel like I'm committing. <laughs> I found that that I, this, I was like, that is a really weird thing to say. So Some, you sometimes you want to click a little bit less, and for that you tap <laughs> you tap to click instead. I don't want to fully commit it's like to a this half click. It's like a half click. It's like, maybe it'll be a click. And like, like I said in that segment about how I, I discovered when using non Apple trackpads that I have all sorts of these gestures, which again. I have built up over decades and didn't realize I was doing until I, I was uh, called um, to consider it by the fact that suddenly nothing was working right. And I had to like uh, take a video of my hands on the trackpad um, and discovered that old PowerBook design decisions still affect how I use a trackpad to this day. 
Um, it's only at that point that I realized that my fingers are doing lots of weird things on the trackpad. And that's probably why I don't like tap to click is because my fingers are probably tapping in various places mm. that the standard trackpad with tap to click turn off ignores, mm -hmm. but that tap to click recognizes. And that's why I have to turn off tap to click. So th thus concludes my uh, comments on last week's episode. Well, thank you. Did you and uh, and you seem to enjoy it. Do you have a little out of body experience when upgrade happens and you're not on it? It is weird. Is it weird? I mean, it's weirder for another reason, but that's an ask upgrade question for later on in uh, okay. the show today. All right. This episode is brought to you by our friends over at DoorDash. Hey, look, did you forget that one thing at the store? Well, now you can get snacks, drinks, and household essentials in 30 minutes of DoorDash. DoorDash connects you with the restaurants that you love right now, right to your door. You know that, but you can also get those grocery essentials you need at DoorDash too. Ordering is super easy for anything. You open the DoorDash app, you choose what you want from where you want it, and your items will be left safely outside your door with the contactless delivery drop-off setting that they have. DoorDash have over 300,000 partners in the US, Puerto Rico, Canada, and Australia, and you can support your neighborhood go-tos or choose from your favorite national restaurant chains like Popeye's, Chipotle, and the Cheesecake Factory. Now, Jason, this is usually the part where I say, hey, Jason, tell me something about DoorDash. But Jason, yes. I can tell you something about DoorDash today. Please do. Because I just got back from the US. Yes. And at one point during our trip, we were moving around a bit. Uh, we got to, we stayed in LA and we got there pretty late in the evening and we didn't want to go out to eat. So I uh, thought, I know what I can do. Mm -hmm. I opened You've heard the, the ads on Upgrade, the I've popular heard these program. Ads before. I've heard them. <laughs> and so I opened up the DoorDash app and I looked about for what was around and we just wanted something simple. And so we just were able to order in some cheeseburgers and some fries and some chicken nuggets very easily from DoorDash. And it just arrived in like minutes. It was so good. And so when you get cheap cheeseburgers, fries, and chicken nuggets, are you getting it from like popular fast food restaurants, or is was there like a, a nicer, higher quality uh, place that you got them from? It was a popular fast food restaurant. Popular fast food restaurant. All right. Mm -hmm. Well, see, that shows you how many different options you have in DoorDash. You could have gone for like the uh, the Burger Bistro. Could have. Or you could have gone to uh, Johnny O Burger, and yep. you know you chose. We went for Johnny O Burger. It's <laughs> well known. No, I just we just wanted something simple and reliable, and so it's just yep. like we just go for and a chain and to bring to you in your exactly. hotel room. Uh huh. Right to uh, we had them, I had them come to the lobby. I went and met them in the lobby. Really easy. Very happy. Super simple. For a limited time, listeners of this show, including me, can get twenty five percent off and zero <gasps> delivery fees. On their first order of $15 or you more. didn't. You I didn't. Used the code. You used the upgrade code? Of course I used oh, the code. I love Why it. Why wouldn't I? I was a new customer. I wanted 25% off and zero delivery fees on my first order of $15 or more. Mm. So when you download the DoorDash app, enter the code UPGRADE2021 in the US, which I was, or UPGRADE AUS if you're in Australia, which I wasn't. That's 25% off, up to $10 value and zero delivery fees on your first order. When you download the DoorDash app in the App Store, enter the code UPGRADE2021 in the US, UPGRADE AUS in Australia. One last time, as UPGRADE2021 for the US, UPGRADE AUS for Australia, and you will get 25% off your first order with DoorDash. Subject to change, terms apply. A thanks to DoorDash for their support of this show and Relay FM. So a friend of the show, Ming-Chi Kuo, uh, had a couple of reports about the Apple headset. This is what I've decided to just call this from now on rather than saying okay. the Apple AR, VR, the, like just Apple headset that will work okay, for us fair. for the time being. 
So uh, a couple of reports, one suggesting that the tracking of hand gestures and movements is going to be the primary interaction method for this uh, device, with four sets of 3D sensors to be used to detect this. In total, Apple will detect, quote from Ichiquo, gesture control, object detection, as well as eye tracking, iris recognition, voice control, skin detection, <laughs> express detec- expression <laughs> detection, and spatial, de- and spatial detection. Do Flaw you detections. have skin? I don't like skin detection. Um, Is there skin here? Oh, I'm I see skin. I'm not 100% sure what skin detection means. It means that if you're a skeleton, you can't use this. You're locked out. <laughs> Whoops, Skeletons sorry. Not for are me. Are locked out. Um, I so I have a an Oculus Quest Two, mm-hmm. and they added some gesture controls. I think it's called Meta Quest now. I saw an ad for this. Is it? All yeah, right. Yeah, I think they dropped the Oculus brand, and they they now call it the Meta Quest. Okay, great. Well. That's not what I bought. I didn't buy something with Meta in the name. <laughs> I'm but, Oculus, damn it! <laughs> yeah, whatever. Um, but what has struck me about it? I mean, there, there. It wasn't initially designed with this hand detection in mind, and I. It is kind of janky. Mm-hmm. Like the the hand tracking on the uh, controllers is really good. And then they kind of added in this hand detection. So you can not use the controllers and just sort of like move your hand in the virtual space and you see it and you can, you know, tap with, you know, your index finger and your thumb to select things and all of that. And it doesn't work very well, but I will say this. I, that has given me a window into Apple talking about gesture control and hand gestures and movements being the primary interaction method. And I, I get it. I actually do get it, especially if this is not something that, that is a, that they want to outfit everybody with, uh, little, uh, hand controls, but they want to just, you put it on and then you just wave your actual hands. Mm-hmm. And, um, so I can see this, this is actually really important. And I think could be a key to having it be more usable by more people is if you could do that well so that it seems very natural to just move your hands around to select things and and do all of that um and and I'm not like I'm not going to make the quest seem bad because it does it poorly I think that it was added to the quest it was not initially part of the concept no. and it's nice that they added it and are trying it out but um but I I expect that a a next generation headset from Meta would be uh, better at it, and I expect that Apple. Um, that's one of the reasons Apple is doing this. So I, I think it's a good thing having having being having been impressed by the controllers that the Quest has. They're very good. They're very good. Um, I love those. But controllers. there is, but there is something more natural about using your hands. It's just got to work right. And the the, the Meta stuff, uh, honestly, when you've got those hand controllers and then you put them down and you then you pick up your hands and you try to do things, you're like, oh, I'm just going to pick up the hand controllers. They're perfect. But if Apple could do that level or close to that level yep. um, with its headset, I think that would be a winner. Yeah, like I've used the hand detection on my Quest as well. And, and there is that thing where like, you you know you just look down at your hands and move your fingers and they move and that's very impressive right yes. like and and you're right like they they put this feature in i don't think they built the device for this feature and right. i would expect that the next one would be more uh-huh. built for this cuz it is clearly the best possible thing you could do right for this type of sure. hardware I- I would imagine that for for certain games and things, like it will be still much want something to hold on better to, to do something, yep. so, and it's got some very detailed kind of controllery uh-huh. kind of things. Um, 
I, I get that, right? I mean, there are, but there are a lot of games that are just mimicking hand movements in some well, certain way, you know? I, what I was trying to think is, like, thinking about playing Beat Saber with just my hands. Mm-hmm. And on the quest, you can't do that. But uh, if, if you had that uh, kind of hand and arm tracking so good that you could do the same level of precision but just with your hands that would be pretty great so yeah i'm i'm uh, this product is starting i mean there's more information that we're going to get to in a second here but this product is starting to come into focus and will it be a huge hit no (laughs) um but it's a first step and it having used that quest i'm I'm interested. I'm I'm interested. It, it, a lot of it's going to come down to the software and to the apps, but um, I I don't know. I I think there's something there. One thing I'd be interested in is if Meta would put Beat Saber on Apple's device. I don't know. Is that their is that their game? They bought Beat Saber. Yeah, it didn't used uh, to be, but they bought it. They've bought up a bunch of studios uh, that make the best games. Like basically uh-huh. all of the best. Oculus games, uh, Facebook now Meta bought them. Interesting. I I don't know whether they will work with a competing platform or not. Mm. Like, do they do they see it as an opportunity for their software to be in front of more people and that generally improving the uh, experience of AR and VR everywhere, or are they going to keep that to themselves? I would say that if they keep that to themselves, somebody else will create a Beat Saber like game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Beat Saber exists on the PlayStation system, but it predated. Right. The acquisition. I mean, and there is, like, you know, there is precedent for it. Like, Minecraft, owned by Microsoft, is still available everywhere. Sure. But at the same time, uh, Microsoft bought Bethesda, and they're not putting um, new games on anything outside of uh, their own platforms. So, right. you know, it, it, who knows? I Honestly, I don't know what the what the right answer would be there. I mean... I can't see it. I, I mean... They would like a, make a lot of money, but I don't hmm. know if that's core to their strategy. Right. Like, because Beat Saber is one of the killer apps for the Oculus. Exactly. And, and that's why you buy that's why you buy an Oculus. And yep. if they do a new version where you, uh, of the headset where you just have to hold your hand like a fist and do Beat Saber mm-hmm. um, and it works great, then that's going to be another reason to get a Quest instead of whatever this Apple thing is. So that's a, but again, I think Apple's going to take advantage of the fact that there are all of these iPhone games and they're going to get iPhone uh, game developers to, uh, you know, add in you know 3d 3d layer and uh support for for you know hand controllers or whatever you call them Mm -hmm. and and get a bunch of stuff too and the question is will there be killer apps in there and is somebody going to make a a, something that's like beat saber or another rhythm game that's similar that has you moving your body that will solve this but beat saber is really good for people who haven't played it like i've got i don't give away some of my nominees for the upgradees but i've got a couple oculus quest things that i'm going to mention because they're really they're really fun and i've had a, a quest for the last year so i've enjoyed those i would hope that apple would be smart enough to work with some of their apple arcade game developers to produce VR experience. Oh yeah, Apple Arcade VR would be good. And I'm reminded by James Thompson, our dear friend, friend of the show, dear friend of the show in the in the uh, Discord right now. Mm-hmm. We know James will be there, right? James is going to be there. There'll be you'll be able to roll dice or flip coins. Mm-hmm. 
in virtual reality on day one, I predict. I just want to have a really big calculator and just like punch can, the buttons. Oh, can you imagine like a calculator that's like like uh you got to run around on it to press and jump to press the buttons or something? It's like a giant calculator. Like the keyboard in Big. Yes, exactly. That's what I was thinking. It's like that <laughs> keyboard in Big. You got to jump around on the calculator in order to calculate things. And then the tape, the tape on it uh-huh. is actual like tape, uh, paper tape that oh, like, like it just comes keeps out. growing mm-hmm. and spooling out. And if you want to clear it, you have got to walk up to it and you got to rip it off. Rip it off. There you go, James. Easy. Now all you got to do is make it. Solved. So uh, Ming-Chi Kuo had a second report. It was mostly talking about the second generation of this device, but <laughs> it did mention that the first generation device is expected to weigh three to 400 grams, mm-hmm. okay. which is heavy. Um, that's kind of yeah. like in uh, AirPods Max territory. But it all depends, as we know of these things, on the balance and the way that the device is weighted. Like weight the doesn't Oculus really mean anything. The Oculus Quest 2 is 500 grams, so it would actually be lighter than the Quest 2, which is there good. Go. I'm also going to say, and I, I don't mean to demean Oculus slash Meta because I know that they sweat this stuff too, but... I would hope that Apple would have done a lot of work on the ergonomics of this thing so mm-hmm. that it isn't like painful to put it on your face. Mm-hmm. I hope so too. I mean, I you know, th- there are ways to make this stuff really comfortable. I think the most comfortable that I've used is the PSVR. Um that's that feels good to wear. Yeah, the Quest is okay. Um I had to buy the like comfort strap for it because it yeah. comes with the discomfort strap but that's the comfort strap is very similar to the psvr to where the it's PSVR. anchoring it on the back of your yeah. head not on the front of yeah. your face exactly it's it's kind of a must buy for the quest so yeah I'm, I'm hoping that they'll be better about it but talking about a second generation of this though like that lo- that really does lock it in as that this is this is really happening that they've already designed the first generation one that we'll see next year mm-hmm. and they've moved on to generation 2 right they're they're designing the 2023 headset now yep if not beyond look i know everyone talks about the headset as like oh it's just a precursor to glasses i don't think that's the case anymore i think they'll make two types of product mm. cuz well you know i really do look i know like there's a lot said about this but who knows how it's going to play out, but this idea of the metaverse is being pushed on by basically all of the major tech companies now. So, you know, you might not like the sound of it, you might think it's weird, but they're really going to try and make it happen, (laughs) and everyone's trying. I think that the way I look at this, and I think this is the way they're looking at it too, is that the glasses thing is the obvious end result of this product march but that you got to start it's like um well but there's always going to be things that wouldn't work with glasses right like they're not going to be immersive or at least not anytime soon i would say it's like um the pc universe where there was pcs and then Mm -hmm. much later there were laptops and then much later there were smartphones like it takes time and you have to iterate. You can't just jump to the end product. Because I think glasses that just go on your face and that can be all of those things is something that will probably be accomplished. But you got you got to start way before there and then iterate. And especially if you're Apple, right? That's what Apple does is start at an early space where they think there's a viable product and then they just iterate and iterate and iterate. And so this is like that. I think that this is something where there will be AR glasses that regular people will wear, but it might not be for... Five years, ten years, fifteen years—we don't know. And you got to start somewhere. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's interesting that the the second Quo report says that the, these products will seamlessly switch between 
AR and VR. Um, again, talking about the quest, the quest this has this mode. This is the second one. This, this uh, is part and of this the is the second, the one, second one, right? One, yeah. Okay, so again, you see the advancement here. So yep. it's AR, but what does that mean? Well, the quest has a mode where you tap it a couple of times and it uses its cameras to show you what's around you, which is cool, but it's like grainy black and white. Yeah. Um, and it's really just sort of there because you don't want to take the headset off and you need to find something. Um, but I look at that and I think about the rumors about these high quality screens and the, all the cameras and all the sensors. And I think, you know, maybe there's a shutter there that flips open, but probably it's just going to the, the AR mode is just it uses its cameras to show you what's around you. And that's how we augment reality is we don't show you reality. We show you our camera's view of reality and then lay things over it. So, you know. Uh, but this is it, right? Th- that's going to be the iteration. Is the first one's going to be heavy? The second one will be a little bit lighter and be better at AR, and and then they'll just kind of progress. And I think they have to. I think the whole Apple Glasses thing, like that's the dream. But it's going to take them. We've we've just seen this recently with the Apple Watch, right? You got to take time to iterate. The first Apple Watch was big and slow, and the App Story wasn't very good. But they got there in the end and it took a while and that's that's what's going to happen with this that first one is going to blow us away in some ways and make us shake our head in other ways but that is and a lot of people who kind of don't follow apple that closely miss this but you know that's the starting gun of the of the race for apple then they then they begin iterating so the second generation headset will be coming in 2024 and it will have a lighter design, new battery system, and a faster processor. Right. So that that thing about the ARVR was in the report of the second one. Um, I'm, actually, I think I misspoke. It is also intended for the first one. So I my can't apologies for envision you. Apple not doing what what the Quest has at the very least, right? Yep. And probably yep. better than that. Which is, I'm really viewing this as being. This first generation Apple headset will probably be comparable to the Quest 3, right? Yeah. A a newer version that may or may not exist, I assume will exist at some point here, where it's better than what we've got. And so like the the grainy black and white, it's like, that's nice, but it's really not that nice. (laughs) It should be be better than that. And I'm sure Apple will make that better, um, even if... Uh, even if it remains to be seen whether people actually use it in that mode for, for very much, it is nice when you've got something covering your eyes to be able to see what's around you. Uh, that's a, it's good. It's a good thing. Yeah, there's, a, there's rumors of a Quest Pro. Ah. Probably similar-ish to that. Like, they're going to sure. make an expensive version, right? Because we obviously know Apple's is going to be expensive. Uh, sure. Whatever it's going to be. So, yeah, so I, I remain intrigued. Um, as I've said before, like the idea of just pure AR glasses, that doesn't excite me. But I do like VR experiences, so this that excites me a little bit more. I'm still I'm still not a hundred percent sure about this idea of having a computer in my eyes all the time. Yeah, but I remain curious. Sure. All right. So uh, one of the things that you and Dan also spoke about last week was. Um, Apple's lack of some features uh, that we yeah, are right. expecting to come this year. Announced and yet not yet uh, in existence. Features. Exactly. So the release candidate of Monterey 12.1 has been has come out. I think there's been two of them now. Uh, and it does not include universal control. So I think it's pretty set we're not going to get universal control this year. It's probably going to come next year. Uh, this 12.1 release candidate does include some fixes for the way that the notch behaves on the new MacBook Pro. So 
there was some weirdness with some menu bar items um, and some uh, menus getting hidden behind the notch or right. doing and like or like covering each other up. Uh, and this version explicitly calls that out as something that they're fixing. Oh, uh, iOS fifteen point two is rolling out right now as we're recording. Breaking news! There so it we goes, can yeah. assume all the, that all the finals are coming out. It's yeah. all happening. It's all happening. That's good because I want that macro toggle on my iPhone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wanted to say about something that I hope that twelve point one will fix for me. I've been having really weird Wi-Fi connectivity issues on my MacBook Pro, and it's something that I've only really noticed as I've been traveling because I've been connecting to new Wi-Fi networks. But there are times where my MacBook Pro just cannot find any Wi-Fi networks, as if none exist. And I have to turn Wi-Fi on and off like multiple times before they show up. It's very strange. And that it's just not a bug that I've come across because I'm in fixed connections all the time, right? Like, that's mm. the entire time I've had this MacBook Pro, I've not been going to new places. But every time I need to connect to a brand new Wi-Fi network, it's really been struggling to find them. Weird. Well, you'll have to report back. I will. I will let you know. On 12.1. I, I uh, am reminded, you talked about like fixing the way the notch behaves and all of that. It's like, I can't check any of this out because there are no longer any uh, notched uh, Macs in my house. I sent back my review unit of the MacBook Pro um, last week, last Friday. Mm-hmm. And uh, I used it as an opportunity to test out a live streaming setup. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> okay. And you, you, I gave you credit. You, you suggested that it might be a smart thing for me to do these occasionally, and I think you're right. Um, when I've got products that are interesting, uh, that that people might want to see, that I could I could uh, do that. And um, so yeah, I tested it out last week with uh, an irony laden concept, which was the reboxing video. So I went live <laughs> to put my MacBook Pro review unit uh, to wipe it. Uh, using the new features in uh, Monterey to erase all uh, on a device, mm. and then I and then I closed it up and I packed it up in its box and I put it in the box that it came in and uh, taped it closed and uh, put the label on and uh, and and that was my live stream. Was I I uh, I and then I went to FedEx's website, which I didn't do on the live stream, and they came and got it like an hour later. So uh, it's gone. But if people oh. want to watch a guy uh, put a MacBook Pro back in a box there's a video for that on the internet you streamed on youtube right i did i that did i sense. i steven and i had a conversation um steven hackett obviously about uh your embrace of twitch which is great but you really need to embrace twitch because twitch yeah. is its own culture mm-hmm. and i think steven and i both agreed probably more work than we wanted to <laughs> so youtube is there and it's easy and i already do it for total party kill and uh i don't really want to have to learn all there is to know about Twitch, especially when I'm not sure how much I'm going to do this. So I'm just going to do YouTube. It's very easy. I think it makes sense for the two of you if you're going to stream to stream on YouTube. Like it's yeah. just you know that's just more of a of a thing that the two of you are in. Then it's just like going onto Twitch. You've got like a whole set of uh, things that it does. However, yes. YouTube is slowly ripping those things off. So. Maybe it's oh, going to come for you anyway. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, like all of the different ways that people can give money and stuff like that if right. they want to support the, the stream. YouTube is slowly incorporating all of these things. So maybe it's mm-hmm. going to come for you. You don't even know it. 
that's fine. That's that's fair. But it was in order to get this going, it was making some decisions about what was I what was I comfortable uh, committing to, and I already have live stream setups for uh, Total Party Kill for yeah. YouTube, and so mm-hmm. it was very easy. And I can, you know, I can stream to Twitch too, and maybe I will someday. But right now, I think the YouTube, and I already have subscribers on the Six Colors um, YouTube channel. That's what makes it a good reason to do it. And like, and it's for yeah. Steven to Cause Plus as well. Like, I think for the two of you, like, YouTube is still a going concern for your businesses. Yeah. And so a this bit. is an, an, an easy way to like have more content on the YouTube channel as well. So right. I do think it's smart. I think it makes sense. Right. So I did go out and buy a uh, an overhead camera and mm-hmm. um, some other all the stuff that has to come with that and all that. But I, I think it worked pretty well. I think it looked pretty good. Having a modern camera that I bought just for the overhead instead of repurposing some crappy camera helped a lot. <laughs> what camera <laughs> was, did you get? Oh, the Sony Alpha 6400. That's what I got. Yeah. It's great. That's what Steven has too. Yeah. Yeah. If you have problems with it overheating, I can help you out. Thank you. Because I just had to deal with that myself. But no, I'm really pleased that you're doing this. Like, So this came up on our... Uh, keyboard club stream that we did right? Um, where I kind of was always I've wondered for a while that there is nobody that gets review units does live streams of them like trying them out on embargo day and then it's because it's a busy day for everyone. There's a reason and there's a big reason that people who are super video savvy are making their videos Mm -hmm. they're not doing live streams they're making their videos they want you to watch the video. They don't want and the writers are writing their articles. Uh-huh. But there's probably a place in there, and I mentioned this on the live stream, but especially if you're somebody who doesn't get it on embargo, um, although sometimes even then, but when you don't get it on embargo, what you end up with is you end up with a product that nobody else has except the reviewers because the embargo dropped and all the reviews posted on Tuesday morning or Wednesday morning, and then uh, the product comes out Friday. And you're sitting there thinking, well, I can I could write a review, but it'll be really quick, and I'll be competing with reviews that people had a week to write it. Mm-hmm. So that's not good. So what do I do? And the answer may be, well, I could do a live stream, and then people could see it and ask me questions, and it would be a product that um, I have that they don't have, mm-hmm. so I would be able to show it to them, and that might be a little place to fill in. So I'll, I'm going to experiment. It'll be fun. I, I did have to take the upgrade champion pennant off my wall before I did the live stream so that nobody <laughs> saw it because we hadn't mentioned it yet. That would just seem like you were really proud of yourself. You yeah, know? exactly. Like you made yourself a pennant. I mean, I mean you kind of did. did. That did but, happen. You know, it's worse if I don't have one, right? Like if I have one, then it's fine. We're on level playing field here, but it just is like, here's me congratulating myself on my, my yeah. great wins. Uh, we can now do some follow-up for previous episodes that were not last week because there's been some news in the last week that I think has been uh, interesting and one enough note. So according to Bloomberg via Mac Rumors, Apple have lost three key engineers on their car project. So they have lost the chief for radar systems, the engineering manager for the battery team, and a hardware engineering manager, which makes for a total of six key departures from the team in 2021. Yeah. And they're largely leaving to two different flying taxi startups. That doesn't even seem real to me. That phrase, like <sighs> flying taxi startups, that seems like a joke. Like somebody made that up. Well, I, I, you know, I made a joke on Twitter about this. I said, like, what do you think is more likely, the Apple car or flying taxis? But I think the truth is that if you're somebody who's working in this field and you're really excited. Um, flying taxi thing, they've got 
investment money. So, you know, you're you're probably going to get paid or at least get some uh, stock options. And so there's maybe a chance of that as well as excitement. Like, Well, I have a question gonna... actually. Yes. What is a flying taxi? Is it a car that can fly or is it just a plane you take short distances? Taxi or not. Taxi or not. Which one is it? Do you know? I mean, it's a it's a flying device. It's a it's like a flying it's like a a plane, except also like a helicopter. But yeah, no. The idea is it, it flies to you when you you get in, and then it flies to your destination and you get out. Wow, I'm yeah. looking at the website Archer. It's called. Yeah, there's and two. It, there's a couple of them, but it yeah, it looks scary. It looks like a spy yeah. Plane. I, well, I, I I'm like really it. skeptical if this thing is gonna ever these things are actually going to ever exist but anyway if you're if you're well compensated and you've got the challenge of doing something that's really cool because you know it's not just a car it's a flying car flying thing that's awesome um okay Mm. but and, and apple it seems to be you know wherever apple's project is now it's probably a little more mundane and they may also be bogged down and so I can I can see people saying I'm leaving because it's a better job or more yeah. prestigious or more yeah. money or something like that. That all said, if I had to if I had to make a bet about which one would be a viable commercial product in the next five years, the Apple Car or a flying taxi, I'm going with the Apple Car. I can't believe it. I can't believe there's something out there that I feel like is even less likely than the Apple Car. But flying taxis. I, I've read articles about them. I think it's really interesting, but mm, no, no. The Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals has given Apple the stay that they were looking for. This was on the um, alternate payment processing thing from the Epic case. Uh, so Apple have not had to make the changes to the App Store rules as of yet to allow for third-party payment processing. And the appeal process that the stay is in kind of conjunction with on the original ruling is going to take about a year, and Apple are not going to be compelled to make any changes until the appeals process is over. The appeals process will now most likely go in Apple's favor. So yep. it's probably the end of that, unless they do something of their own, which I still... I'm holding out hope for. Right. And there are other other countries and other venues where exactly. you might see something there, but this is the uh the stay of that decision that was, you know, gonna make Apple make some changes and Apple basically said, Oh no, we can't make changes and uh the Ninth Circuit has said, Fair enough, we'll we'll stay this while we uh, consider it and, and uh I, I shared this link with you while you were on your vacation and I believe your response was boo. Yeah. So <laughs> I just I just want to see them moving in this direction and they're not moving themselves and now none of the judicial processes are moving them either. I just think that we've gone on too long in this and it's it's just frustrating to me. Apple should make some changes. Yeah, but well, it's not going to do it because of that uh, that one judge in this mm-hmm. one case. That seems uh, certain. I also have a couple of uh, Apple TV Plus upstream headlines that I want oh, to go over. Just a couple of things. Uh, Apple Studios is going to produce and distribute the film adaptation of Bad Blood, the book about the rise and fall of Theranos, and it will star Jennifer Lawrence as Elizabeth Holmes with Adam McKay writing and directing. Uh, this is part of Adam McKay's first look with uh, deal with Apple. That they uh, that they got this. He's got a movie actually just out, I believe. But this is a 
uh, December twenty fourth, I think, on Netflix. Is that a Netflix movie? Is that the one you're talking about? The uh, one with Leo, Leonardo DiCaprio. Yes. Yeah, that's out on. I think it comes out in December. Like the well, but, it's like, out. It's playing Christmas in theaters Eve. now. Ah, okay. Sorry, sorry. Yes, because they do the thing right where they put it out first. So it's out now, mm-hmm. but it will be coming to Netflix because uh, yes. it's a Netflix movie. So, so on, this is think, interesting. It's uh, it's it's part of his first like deal with Apple, mm-hmm. and uh, I I saw somebody on Twitter joke that Apple is finally making its own Steve Jobs movie, um, because of course Elizabeth Holmes sort of like fancied herself, uh, as a as Steve, Steve Jobs esque yeah. figure, but of course then it she's on trial now and it all went horribly wrong. So Jennifer Lawrence. Good casting, I think yep. you do really well in this role. I think sure. it'd be. I, I'm pretty excited for this movie, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, Jonah Hill will be will be playing Grateful Dead's Jerry Garcia in a Martin <laughs> Scorsese biopic produced oh, by man. Apple Studios. Um, there's a lot of names there. There's a lot Jonah going Hill, on in that one. Jerry man. Garcia, Martin Scorsese. Well, Martin Scorsese understands that era of music. Um, he we think of him as making like crime movies and things like that, but he also did. What the last waltz, um, yep. which is considered the greatest uh, rock movie or one of the greatest rock movies ever. It have vinyl too, right? The TV show. Yeah, so that's a, definitely I think an aspect of Scorsese that doesn't get enough attention, and that he may be. Um, you know, I I'm I'm not that interested in the Grateful Dead to be perfectly honest, but I think this is a, an interesting project, and I, people have opinions about Jonah Hill as Jerry Garcia, but like you know, people had opinions about Val Kilmer as Jim Morrison too, and that turned out okay. So we'll see. What do people not like about Jonah Hill as Jerry Garcia? I, I don't know. I think I think that I think there are a lot of Grateful Dead people who just think that Jerry Garcia is sort of a, a saintly special figure, and that Jonah Hill is just that that guy from those movies yeah see yeah okay yeah. i mean jonah hill is putting some incredible performances like if people just think of him as the super bad guy i you know i think oh i agree it's it's almost like thinking oh adam mckay just makes stupid movies right which he now it's doesn't just the, do it's the discourse it's people yeah. getting upset and th- that's gonna happen but you know we'll see yeah. the we'll see the final thing but i think scorsese wanting to do a biopic of of jerry garcia is interesting that's an interesting move for him and Invasion has been renewed for season two. Have you watched any of that yet? Nope. No, neither have I. I will. I've been told it's good, but starts slow. So mm-hmm. I kind of decided I would let it run, and then we can we can binge the whole thing. I have so many shows that I have not even cracked because there's just so much going. I on have, right yeah, now. I haven't seen the uh, I've been uh, the, the the Shrink Next Door yet either, and I, no, I, I haven't I, either. I really wanted to see that. I just haven't gone around to it yet. I haven't either, and I have I have so many. Uh, homeworks for the incomparable too on top of that plus there's the stuff that i watch for for fun and pleasure plus then i watch get back which is six oh, hours i haven't seen that yet but i <laughs> i desperately want to watch it that's 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 something i've really it's been great, enjoying but, uh. the dexter show the the dexter mm. season like i don't know if, if you ever watched dexter I watched the first few seasons of Dexter, yes. Okay. And then well, I what? got to the bad one. Yeah. There's a good one after that, but I got to the bad one and we gave up and that was that. Yeah, the 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 it's called Dexter, is it called New Blood, I think it's called. It's really good. Like if you're a fan of the show, uh thorough recommendation. It's like it's so good, I want them to do more of it, but I think they were just gonna do it as one season and leave it at that. But like it's really, really good. I've really been enjoying that. So there you go. All right. 
This episode of Upgrade is brought to you by Uni Pizza Ovens, the world's number one pizza oven company. They make surprisingly small ovens that are powered by your choice of either wood, charcoal, or gas, letting you make restaurant-quality pizza in your own backyard. Uni Pizza Ovens are incredibly easy to use and also really portable. They'll fit into any outside space, and they can reach temperatures of up to 900 degrees Fahrenheit, 500 degrees Celsius. This enables you to cook restaurant-quality pizza in as little as 60 seconds. That high temperature really separates these ovens from others, so you can really make like pizzas that just taste fantastic. That's what you want. Do You want the high temperature. It also lets you cook them quickly. Uh, Uni have a couple of really popular models. The Uni Coda 16 can cook up to 16-inch pizzas and has an innovative L-shaped burner at the back that gives you even heat distribution. They also have... Um, the Unikaru as well, which is a really cool one because you can use wood, charcoal, or gas to, uh, to power the oven. So that's a really cool one too. Now, Uni Pizza Ovens start from just $299. They have free shipping to the US, the UK, and the EU. And they really have like a whole range of these things. It's so, it's so, so cool. Uh, I believe you have the Coda 16, Jason. Is that right? I do. I do. It's hiding from the rain right now. Mm. But yeah, it's great. Um, I uh, get the, you know, the blackened edges, the little wood fire kind of thing. And um, I was thinking the other day about using it to make bagels, honestly, because you could do that too, right? To get the extra heat that a wood fire oven will give you for bagels that that your own home oven won't. I was going to make some Montreal style bagels, which I've made before, but I baked those in my oven. And I thought, oh, I wonder if I could do those in the uni. I haven't tried it yet. But um, I'm yeah, thinking you can about cook it, so. yeah, all just, kinds of stuff in there. I know some people because you cook get because it gets meat. extra hot. It gets much hotter than your in your your oven does inside. Yeah, so you get like a like I know people that they will like sous vide a steak and like finish it. Like, yep. In in uh, like sear it in a, in an oven because you can get it real, done real quick. So that's actually yeah quite, quite cool. So you, and it's yeah. real, really hot, much hotter than than you're gonna get anywhere else. Loads of fun stuff you can do with your uni pizza oven listeners of the show can get 10 percent off their purchase of an uni pizza oven which is up to 50 dollars off an uni code of 16 just go to uni.com and use the code upgrade fm 21 at checkout when you're there you'll also find a great range of accessories they have everything that you're going to need from peels to cutters to oven tables everyone's making pizza at home right now so like it's the perfect tool for the job maybe around the holiday season as well uh, uni pizza ovens are always in high demand so don't miss out go to uni pizza ovens they are the best way to bring restaurant quality pizza to your own backyard so that's o-o-n-i uni.com and use the code upgrade fm 21 to get yourself 10 percent off Our thanks to uni pizza ovens for their continued support of this show and relay fm so the information have published a pretty large report about Apple, Tim Cook, and their relationship with the Chinese government. And there's a bunch of stuff in this report that is basically like collecting up a lot of things that we've heard about before and expanding on them about Apple's relationship with China. But the report hinges on a new piece of information that back in 2016, Cook signed an agreement with officials from the Chinese government that promised they would invest, Apple would invest, more than $275 billion into the country over a five-year period through various means. Now, I want to give a couple of uh, pieces of information like from the report, and then we can talk about it. So, Cook secretly visited China many times to make this deal. Secretly is like, I think, you know, people could know he was in China, but not knowing what it was about, right? Was mm. was maybe going for visits, but was also meeting with officials. Uh, and this was after there were threats made against some of Apple's services continuing to be offered in the country. 
The agreement was drafted between Apple and China's National Development and Reform Commission to formally agree on a set of concessions Apple would make in return for some regulatory exemptions. The agreement included pledges from Apple to improve technological advancements in Chinese manufacturing, support training of high-quality Chinese talent, to use more Chinese components, sign deals with Chinese software firms, collaborate with Chinese universities, directly invest in Chinese companies, and assist with Chinese government causes. Apple's $1 billion investment in the ride-hailing company Didi was a part of this deal, which finally gives us an answer for this perplexing deal that they did in 2016. Um, And Apple has lobbied with international governments on issues that could impact China. Great, great piece. Really well reported. Uh, Wayne Ma, if you don't have the information, you can, I think you can sign up, give them your email address and they'll give you uh, this as a sample. And then they'll send you lots of emails about how you should pay kind of a lot of money for the information. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it's a a really great report by Wayne Ma. Um, Couldn't be more impressed with the detail of it. And despite the, you know, the secret seems all titillating, like a secret $275 billion deal. I feel like this is a really good portrait of the level. I I like to mention that, uh, what is it, the New York Times story uh, from during the Trump administration when when they referred to Tim Cook as uh, an ambassador to China. Right. Because he was so connected like this is about diplomacy and about give and take any um, any portrayal of this that you see that suggests that it's all of the ways that Apple uh, does the bidding of the Chinese government is is has missed the point, because this is much more complicated than that. This is Apple navigating what it means to be in business in China as an as an American company and it's complicated right and and you could say and i know some people say well the option apple has is to just walk away from the chinese market and they could although that would be really hard um and they have so much manufacturing in china that that would then uh be in jeopardy and that could jeopardize their whole company. But Apple has actually gone the other way and and integrated itself even more in terms of uh, sales and support and all sorts of other things in the Chinese market. They're not just using China as a manufacturing hub. They're they're a I think the leading phone maker this year in China. So what what does that entail? And the other thing you get out of the article is very much that this is a two way street. Like China benefits from having this international brand be a player in china and work with the chinese government and follow its rules um so you're never going to win an argument with somebody who says chinese government is terrible you should never deal with them you should just not be involved in china at all i think that's unrealistic but if you've got a view like that then okay i mean that's your view obviously that's obviously apple has chosen not to do that Mm -hmm. but this gets into the details of like and it's nitty gritty stuff. This is not a story of Apple being told what to do and doing it. This is a story of Apple being told what to do and not doing it and feeling the pain and doing something different and Apple being told to do something else and saying, well, this is not something we can do and working in other directions in order to never have to do that thing. 
And the one example that I thought was a an amazing, and this may change, especially after this article came out, but an amazing detail that we hadn't heard before is we know that Apple had to move, it had to have its iCloud servers in China in a data center owned by a Chinese uh, company. That was a, a law in China. And if you're in, Apple has always said, you gotta, if you're in a country, you got to follow their laws. That's just how it is. We've assumed that because they're in the data centers, that that means that the Chinese government, or at least the Chinese corporation that will do what the government says, has access to the encryption keys for those iCloud accounts. This report says that's not the case, that Apple has managed to hold on to the encryption keys of its customers in China. It doesn't necessarily mean anything because if the Chinese government says, I need you to decrypt this thing, then uh, they probably would have to do it because it's probably the law in China. But I thought that was an interesting little detail of Apple um, trying to negotiate like a level that they're comfortable with and that the Chinese government is comfortable with. And it is a two-way street. And there are sometimes functionaries in certain parts of China that say, we want you to do this thing. And Apple's looking around like, is this the Chinese government or is it that guy who wants us to do this thing? And then like working their political connections in other parts of China or at a higher level in order to get some of that stuff uh, kind of swept off the board or they look the other way. Just fascinating detail. This is a huge, huge complex. I mean, this really is like international relations, essentially, between this enormous corporate entity and this enormous government entity. Um, and so I guess my takeaway from this, number one, is anybody who simplifies the Apple-China relationship is doing it a disservice because it's way more complicated. And you really need to portray it as being an incredibly complex series of concessions and investments and give and take. Um, it's definitely not the case that you can just roll on into China and do whatever you want and pay your taxes and be done with it. The Chinese government has some very particular things they want you to do, which is why Apple is putting money into various things in China. But Apple has also gotten back. Like um, the best example in the article is um, the U S and, and, and other countries in the West have basically made Huawei persona non grata. China's homegrown, top-ranked smartphone company. Which seemed to have been a move that was surely, like, just to spite China. Like, there's no... Well, there, there's there's some feeling that, I mean... It, it, it's purely a feeling, though, like, about, about I, Huawei. I, yeah, I don't know the details. There, there, is, there are accusations that, that Huawei was doing some bad stuff, but... It's never been proven. It, it would have been very easy, and this article points this out, for China to retaliate by making things hard for apple in china um, because haha take that americans who ruined our phone maker we're going to ruin yours and it didn't happen mm -hmm. and this article suggests that one of the reasons it didn't happen is because apple has made a lot of effort to be connected to the powers that be in china and it's an intertwined relationship that is not would not be the easy retaliatory move because it would hurt china mm-hmm as much maybe as it would hurt the US and so they didn't do it and that's the value that Apple gets out of that so I, I don't know again it, it, you got to look through the lens of how you feel about China and that's going to be how you're going to feel I take away from this most of all that, that this is exactly or even more as compli complicated a relationship 
as difficult a relationship as you might expect. It, 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 there's a lot of moving parts and a lot of effort and a lot of people at Apple who have worked very hard to navigate uh, all of the constraints of this particular market. And, you know, Apple does this with the European Union, too, right? And Apple does this with the U.S. government, too. Um, it, it's not just China. China's challenges are unique, but it's not like big companies like this don't need to have all sorts of ways that they navigate the, the rules uh, required by them. And or in Russia is a good example, right? Where they navigated that you must install these apps yeah. and got to a place where they got put up a screen that says, here are some apps, which is not what the law was initially supposed to be, but somehow they made that happen. So, you know, this is, it, they do it everywhere. It's just that China is this enormous market that Tim Cook has been focused on. And uh, yeah, can't say enough good things about Wayne Ma's article because it really does paint a detailed picture of just how complicated this whole thing is. Yeah, it's like I've been saying for a long time, like, Tim Cook is basically one of the most powerful people on the planet. Like, more powerful than world leaders of many countries. I mean, it depends on how you uh, how you determine power, but, uh, I mean, yeah, I, I think we do live in a world where corporations are incredibly powerful, and Apple is one of those corporations. They have huge resources and huge influence, and that's why I liked that New York Times story saying that he's kind of the U.S. ambassador, mm -hmm. especially at a point when the relations were very, very, uh, very negative, very bad between uh, the U.S. administration and China. Yep. Um, and this is, yeah, I mean, how is how is this not the portrayal of a head of state, essentially? Well, he acts like one. I mean, in, in, a, in a yeah. way that I think makes sense. But like, you know, like every pub, every possible holiday around the planet, right? Like public holiday in every culture around the globe, Tim Cook will wish people, you know. <laughs> like He's got a tweet for it. Happy for whatever occasion. on that day, you know, like in a way that the CEO of a company doesn't need to do right like there is not i don't believe an expectation on the ceo of the, a public company to wish you know like happy whatever on whatever day it might be right but he does it or it's done for him uh and in a, in a way that feels interesting I'll, I'll tell you i came away from this piece feeling a little uncomfortable for one reason right so you know like, i've said this so many times on this show that people need to understand that Apple is a is the biggest company in the world and does things that the biggest company in the world will do, which is this kind of stuff, right? And but I think people like to believe that Apple doesn't do these kinds of things because they love Apple and think that Apple is above everything, you know, like is above big company stuff. Yeah. But the idea of a CEO of a company doing some kind of secret backdoor deal with a government makes complete sense in my mind. The thing that I don't like about this is Apple have never said anything about this. Right. And if it was the US, they wouldn't stop talking about it. Ha. Well, if they did this deal with the US government, there would be 25 PR posts talking about it. They'd have websites created to it, but because it's China, they don't say it. And that annoys me. I guess what I would say to that is that I think some of this stuff they do say, they say it in China, like that there are events in China and they appear and it gets on the news in China and it's part of the the me the feel-good message to whatever country you're in. Yeah, possibly. But, but Apple tell the whole world about their US yeah, stuff. That's true. That's not how China works. <laughs> I know, but like, they, but you know, like why not? Yeah. Why not say like we have invested $275 billion into the Chinese economy? 
Why not say yeah. that? You know, like, but they won't, and I know why they won't. And yeah. that's what annoys me about it. Yeah, you yeah. know, and 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 again, I, I I think there are a lot of legitimate reasons to dislike the Chinese government and the Chinese Communist Party. I, I get it. Mm-hmm. I I totally get it. At the same time, it's one thing to have your personal beliefs, and it's another thing when you're the person in charge of a giant profit-making corporation. Yeah. And this is the this is the path that Tim Cook has decided to walk. I think that in some ways he's been validated in his approach because there was a time when the consensus was you put country you put companies from the west into China and it changes China. And the truth is it did change China in one way which is Chinese society is more egalitarian than it used to be. There's a much larger middle class than there used to be. Um, And they have a form of capitalism and private property and things that a, a traditional communist country would not have, right? And they've become an economic engine. But there was this other fantasy that the existence of uh, countries from the West in China was going to make it a free country uh, politically, and that hasn't happened. Uh, quite the opposite, in fact. It's become less so uh, and, and more authoritarian over time recently. Uh, and now they have a leader who's basically a president for life if he wants to be. So the question then is, well, do you do you do business there or not? And you could walk away. I think Apple's argument would be, what does walking away get anybody? <laughs> and that Apple Apple feels like it can be it's beneficial for Apple as a company and it's also beneficial for uh the people in China. Uh, and that they think it's you might as well be in the, in the in the game. If you're going to be in the game, be in every country and uh, and participate in how they uh, in how they do business. I totally see the other argument, which is you can't you can't and you got to walk away. I think the truth is Apple was so entwined with China in terms of manufacturing that it was going to be really hard to walk away. And so Tim Cook was like, well, we're going to do the other one then. We're going to make close ties mm-hmm. so they can't walk away from us and we can't walk away from them. And uh, also, just going to say it, Tim Cook is the CEO of a big profit-seeking company and there's a lot of money to be made in China. And that's one of his decisions. And you can like that or dislike that. But I think that that is clearly part of it too. And so, you know, this is not just Apple too, right? Like there's a lot of pressure right now on the International Olympic Committee, which is about to have the Winter Olympics in China. The uh, the women's tennis tour just canceled all their events in China because one of their tennis players made a sexual assault allegation against a former high-ranking part of the Chinese government. And then she basically disappeared. And then when she reappeared, it was in staged videos that said, I'm fine, but nobody believes that she's actually fine. Um, And so the one group has basically said, we're out of China because we can't guarantee the safety of our members. And, And yet you look at the IOC and the IOC said, did you see that video where she said she was fine? everything's great because they're about to do an event in China and they're tightly tied to China. Mm -hmm. It's complicated and everybody's going to make different decisions. And I think you, if you want to say Apple is wrong to play ball with China in any way, I think that's a perfectly valid opinion. I think that what's great about this article is you can see that you can see all the consequences of them playing ball in China (laughs) for good and for ill. Um, You, it, it lays it all out. 
it's hard and complicated. And it's a path that Tim Cook has decided to walk. And as we've discussed several times on this podcast, at this point, it would be impossible for them to unwind this relationship. It really would. Because at this point, Apple's so much more intertwined that if they were to walk away, I think there would be even more retaliation against Apple. And as we've said, Apple kind of doesn't have a plan B for its entire manufacturing process. And maybe it's trying to build one in the background. But for right now, Apple can't get out of China. It just can't because it makes its products in China. And it's just too tightly tied. And and that's... Uh, I would call that a liability. I would say that you always want to have, you don't want to have some piece of the puzzle. It's the Steve Jobs thing, right? Like if it's something important, you shouldn't just have to rely on someone else for it. Well, Apple is kind of relying on it, on China for this major part of their business. And that's that may be one of the motivating factors in them doing all of this to connect with China is it makes it almost impossible for China to kick Apple out. And that's good because Apple has no plan B for a lot of what it manufactures. And it's not just the manufacturing because it's not. they want to sell them there too because it's the biggest market. Yeah, they want to make money. But I, I would say that the, there are two things going on here. There's yeah. do you participate in the market and there's are you using China to make your stuff? And if you're just using China to make your stuff and not participating in the market, I feel like you're more open to retaliation. You, you don't have those, those tight ties. Mm. So it would be easier for China to threaten Apple's supply chain. Um, and I think that's the choice that Tim Cook made is, no, we're going to make tighter ties and we're going to get into that huge market and it's going to make us money, but it's also going to tie us to China. The problem is that their, their manufacturing base still is tied to China. And as we saw during some of the days in COVID, like when, when the Chinese factories shut down, it's like, well, Apple doesn't have a plan B for this. So maybe they want to work on that in the background over the next decade. We'll see. This episode of Upgrade is brought to you by Setapp. Getting things done is a challenge that everyone struggles with. And one way to tackle it is to make sure that you have the right tools for your computer and for every task that you need. And that means having the right apps. Setapp is on a mission to help users get more done. With Setapp, there's no more worrying about having to search for apps to solve a problem because it packs over 200 apps for your Mac and iPhone into one. There's an app for almost any task so you can stay in your flow and finish what you started so you can think about your tasks, not the apps that you need. Setapp is really great because they're all bundled into one, right? So with one subscription fee, you get access to a bunch of great applications for your devices. A couple that I'll mention, Bartender, CleanShot X, these are just great apps that I use every single day on my Macs. Uh, and honestly, for the subscription fee, it's worth it for just those two. But there's hundreds of applications that you can check out for yourself. It's more convenient. It's also great value because instead of paying for hundreds or even thousands of dollars for separate licenses, there's just one flat monthly fee. New apps are added to Setapp regularly. Updates are free. And all the apps are their full featured pro versions. You don't get a watered down version, which is really great. Head over to setapp.com slash upgradefm to try Setapp free for a week. If you like it, pay just $9.99 per month at setapp.com slash upgrade. It's just $9.99 a month and you get access to all these wonderful applications. Our thanks to Setapp for their support of this show and Relay FM. Let's finish up with some hashtag ask upgrade questions. Did you like Dan's lasers, by the way? I did like Dan's lasers. He did actually. some lasers. It was fun. They were different, but they were good. They were. They were space spy lasers, which is mm -hmm. the best kind, probably. Tim asks In reviewing e readers, 
you go into great detail about the advantages of buttons to turn the page versus swiping and tapping on the screens. What are your thoughts on scrolling instead of page turning? <laughs> uh, well, on e- on e ink, scrolling is not an option. I had that Android um, based e ink reader, the Books Nova Air that I tried, and it since it's running Android apps, you could scroll, and it's e ink is just not. Mm-mm, no, it's a bad interface for scrolling. It gets it's super weird. Like it's really built for page turns. In general, like if I'm reading on a on a phone, I prefer page turns when I'm reading a book to swiping. And I, I don't know, because I swipe through, um, I'm scrolling through um, Twitter and stuff like that. And I'm used to that, scrolling through timelines. But uh, the truth is, even there, I mostly scroll up a page or thereabouts and then read down. I, for reading, like reading a novel where I know that I'm literally going on forever and I'm just keeping on scrolling. Like, I don't want to do that. I would much rather be at rest and then, and then read the whole page and then tap or swipe to see the next page. That's just, I, I prefer that as a way to read, especially long things um, versus kind of eternally scrolling. I have no opinion. Opinion. No. Okay. That's fine. Uh, Mark asks, how many Christmas cards do you usually send out? Oh, uh, we are ordering, we just did this yesterday. We are ordering like 140 or Whoa. something like that. Wow. We have a spreadsheet with everybody's addresses in it. And then and then we send those out. So yeah, it's about 140, I think, that we are ordering. So we do like 30 or 40. Okay. And we only do this because we have so many American friends. Like... The idea of sending Christmas cards to everyone you know, not so much of a thing in the UK. No. Like maybe to like family, but outside of that, it doesn't really happen. Um, like, you know, like if I wouldn't send and, and had never sent a Christmas card to any of my friends and their families before I started getting on the Christmas card lists of American friends. And then we start sending them out to everyone. And now... So some of my UK based family friends or like friends and like my UK based friends get yes. cards. So like I will send a card to James Thompson and Saskia this year. Like so I do every year. Well, this is the other thing I wanted to get to in a second, but only because James is used to getting them from Americans and therefore has ah. also sent right. So we now the people like the families living in the UK that also have American friends also get cards because we're all sending them out anyway. I have our spreadsheet here, 135 entries. 134, because there's a hetero. 134 that entries. That is a big list. So what I wanted to say and ask a secondary question of you and maybe mm-hmm. the upgradients. We're really late this year because we've been traveling. Because in other years, what we have done is we've made them. Like Adina has made a card and we get the card made. We've used Moo a bunch of times in the UK to do that. And then we write the cards and send yes. them. Yes. This year, we do not have the time to do that. And I know that some people, some of my friends, they use like a service to make yep. the card and they don't personalize the card and they just send them to a bunch of people. Yeah. So I want to know if you have a recommendation for a service like that because sure. we don't have the time otherwise. Well, um, first off, I'm gonna I'm gonna extol the virtues of the Happy New Year card. We're going which with the Happy New Year week. card this mm-hmm. year. Yeah, that's what we're gonna do. Like Happy Holidays and Happy New Year. That's what we're yeah. going with. We're just going straight to Happy New Year. And then in the U.S., I actually use Paper Culture, which does ship internationally, and you can upload a a context file, and they will Ooh, yeah. they will mail it out. 
And so you can make, you know, you can make a card with a uh, with a message. You could even potentially, depending on whether they let you put an image, you could even like sign it, (laughs) (laughs) but not personalize it. Uh, I think we are going to do a postcard. So it's going to have a picture on the front and on the back, it's going to have some text saying what we did this year and happy new year. Um, And you can use their surface, uh, uh, paper culture anyway, use their service to have them mail it out or mm-hmm. you can just have them mail you a box and then you can get the stamps. But for your for your contacts in the US, at the very least, that might be a way to do it because then they're just mailing in the US from the US and you never have to deal with it. So that's the one that I use. I'm sure there are lots of them out there, but I've been pretty happy with the quality and they have a bunch of templates that are pre-made so you can so, find one that you like. they send international too, though? They will, from the US, yes. Oh, amazing. Yeah, I mean, that's what we'll do. I mean, yeah, I've done know, that. We would send international from the UK, so... If anything, this would be cheaper. For us. I guess I'm saying that you you might want to, if depending on your balance, you might want to make a paper culture order to the U.S. and then find a place in the U.K. and do a different order in the U.K. Mm. Um, but that's up to you. But yes, because it might be a little funny for for international shipping for your card to James and Saskia. Well, find that's out. up to you. But anyway, I I use that and it's uh it's good. This year we're not having them mail it. Um, we are gonna mail those ourselves. So mm. we. Uh, We've saved a step, I guess, or we've made an extra step for ourselves. They'll an extra step. here and then we'll mail them out. Yeah, You've saved them a step. I've saved them a step. It is. I, I mean, it's cheaper if you mail it yourself, but then you've got to mail it yourself. So that's, it means that you can sign them, right? But some, mm. some years we have not done that. Some years we've very mm-hmm. much like, no, no, just mail them out. We don't want to get it back. Ryan asks, Jason, when you do buy a, like when, sorry, when do you buy a book? And when do you check out a book from the library? What's, what, uh, what's the difference for you? So many book questions after last week. Yep. Um, we spoke about books I, for a while, My so. strategy these days, since I've really mm-hmm. gotten into using the Libby app and OverDrive to check out books from my library, is when I, wa- I see a book I want, I check and see if it's at the library. And if it's at the library and it's not a book that I need to, I need to read right this very minute, I just put it on my library holds list and it will come up mm. and be part of the delightful surprise about oh, look, a book is available. And, you know, it's it's fun to have the random books come off the library stack. Uh, if it's a book that is not available at the library or uh, as an ebook, eh, or I, I want it and I want it now, I'll buy it. So I don't have a problem buying ebooks, but I am not trying to be a little more disciplined of saying, do I need to buy this or is this at the library? And if it's at the library, I'll just check it out from the library. That makes perfect sense. Ryan asks, can focus modes change what is in your dock? Like, can it change, like it can change what home screen is active? No, it cannot. Nope. No, it cannot. Because what it's like doing. A, a nice feature, right? Seems well, like that would be a good feature. Yeah, maybe. I mean, yes, it would be. But all it's doing is, it's not like changing anything about the phone, right? Like, it's just changing what home screen is visible right. in the way that like if you swipe between home screens it doesn't change what's in your dock because the dock is fixed right i guess what i was would say is that though that this is maybe what the mac equivalent could be of of a focus mode change is like first off the mac just needs a an, some way to automate based on focus mode change right like and, right. and the system it would be nice if the system included some things that it could do just like it does on ios and it mm-hmm. doesn't do that and maybe that would be 
um, the dock, what's in the dock, or maybe so you get different docks for different statuses, or maybe it would show or hide the dock, or or maybe it would just be you can run a script and, or a shortcut. And oh, I see. So you're saying like on the Mac, the dock is like the home screen. May right? I mean, it sort of is. Interesting. Unless you're I using mean, yeah, like Launchpad, launchpad. or something. <laughs> no. Anyway, uh, yeah, that was my thought. Was that the dock could be sort of what the home screen is on iOS. I don't know if it is. I don't know if people would actually want that or not. Um, and maybe Apple looked at that and said, no, that's not something we want to do. But the, the my, my greater frustration is that there's no way to do big changes like that when focus mm. modes change on the Mac. And that's a mistake. They need to fix that. Yeah, that'd be interesting. But yes, uh, Ryan, you cannot change what is in the dock on your iOS device via a focus mode change. Nope. It's just what's on the home screens. Greg wants to know, final question today, why does Jason have a different version of the theme song than Mike does? Ha. Well, Greg, first off, uh, thanks for noticing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Second, Greg is not a member, uh, an Upgrade Plus member, because the Upgrade version for members had the regular theme song. I think that's how I did it. No. So I have fun. That was the you opposite. Had the, the, you had the the whole like uh, synth version in Upgrade Plus. Oh, okay. So Greg is a member. Well, then thank you okay. for your support, Greg. You got the bonus uh, and regular oh, listeners did not. Wow. So I did, uh, I have fun when I edit Upgrade because it happens so rarely. And although there is a version of the theme song file that Mike uses every week, we also have our complete version of the theme song. And we have the first version of the theme song that Chris Breen did for us, which had an electric guitar sound. And I asked for it to be replaced with a uh, a synth synthesizer sound instead. Um, because I thought it was more beepy boopy, 80s kind of sound. Uh, but we have both. And so I often use the other one because I think it's fun that there's this variation that never gets played and that I can throw it in there. Mm-hmm. Um, editing last week's show was interesting because it was, you know, we now do two versions of the show. And so I actually called Mike at some point or I sent a Slack message to Mike who was getting massage at the time and so that did not answer my question. <laughs> you, were, <laughs> you, were not, you, did not, you did not receive the bat signal from your location being relaxed in mm-hmm. Hawaii. Mm-hmm. So I had to just deal with this myself. So basically what I did is I created a mega version. Turns out this is what you do. A mega yep. version of the show that has all the ads and all the extras mm-hmm. and saved that. And then I made two versions from there and delete the ads and, and keep the extras in one version. So what I do in Logic, extras. so I, yeah. I, yeah, I do the whole thing, right? Ads with the the all of the plus content, all chaptered, right? The whole thing. Then I go to file, save copy as, or like you can duplicate as or something like that. There is in logic. There is yeah. an option to like create, take this, but give it a different name. Yes. And so I do that. And then I call that one plus. Then yeah. I remove the plus content from what is the standard show, bounce that out. Then I go to the one called plus, remove the ads, bring it all together. So probably similar to what you did. Yeah. So what I did is I used the electric guitar version in the plus version, which I built first. And uh, then I came over to the regular version and I deleted all the intro stuff and I got to the music and I thought, I'm just going to use the regular intro here for why. I don't know. I just decided maybe I deleted the, the electric guitar and I thought, well, okay, I got to put it back. I'll just, I'll just use it. Um, I don't always ape the exact timing of how you do it. And in fact, in both both versions, the timing (laughs) is a little bit different. (laughs) I was disappointed in where you started. It's funny because I actually know how you do it uh-huh. i just 
didn't want to do it this and then time. And you, you also know. didn't bring the volume of the music down to a level that I would bring it down to. Yeah. I'm talking. We all have our own ways. The problem with that, the intro that you've got is you've got an intro that like fades and all that, but it doesn't fade enough. So you still have to manually fade it. It's mm. anyway. Oh, yeah. I have mine all manually faded. Like, yeah. 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 Right. See? So the answer is I could, and there are episodes that I've edited where I, uh, including sometimes where Mike is on the episode, but he can't edit it for some reason. And I usually make those identical to the way Mike does it. It's just that I kind of like it when it's different and weird. And that was an episode with Dan instead of me and mm-hmm. me instead of Mike. And so it was from the moment we started, it's clearly not the usual upgrade. And so at that point, I feel like, okay, well, then I'm going to, I'm not going to even try to make it sound exactly like upgrade because it's not. It's a weird episode of upgrade. It's an that, upgrade. That is the version of, uh, of why that uh, theme song changes and it's a little bit different uh, just because, I don't know, it's fun. So when, you, when something like that is going on, you know you're in for something um, special. That's, that's my story and I'm sticking to it. If you'd like to send in a question uh, for us to answer on the show next week, send out a tweet with the hashtag AskUpgrade or question mark AskUpgrade. And remember, we are looking for extra holiday-themed questions for next week's episode. So whatever it might be, holiday-related, send it in, and we will answer it. Don't forget to go to upgradies.vote to get your vote in uh, for the Upgradies. Um, And uh, don't forget about giving the gift of Relay. If you or someone you know wants to join Relay FM for the next year, now is a great time to do so, because until December 17th, just a few more days, all of our annual plans are 22% off for new subscribers. Go to giverelay.com to learn more and set up your gift. Uh, Thank you to everybody that does sign up uh, normally or has signed up. Um, So yeah, you should go there. But if you want to join monthly, you can go to getupgradeplus.com and do that. Uh, let me tell you about one more show here on Relay FM before we leave, and that is Automators. If you like this show, there's a good chance you'll love Automators because if you want to make your devices do more for you, you can join David Sparks and Rosemary Orchard at relay.fm slash automators or search for Automators wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Upgrade, and we'll be back next time. Thank you to Setup, Uni, and DoorDash for the support of this show. Until next week, say goodbye, Jason Snell. Goodbye, Mike Early. Bye.